Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related to it. And I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and we might observe it with our whole hearts. This is part two of a series, If Baptism Isn't for the Remission of Sins, dot, dot, dot. Baptism is no doubt one of the most, if not the most, hotly contested subjects in Scripture among contemporary professing Christians. And the argument, the divide, centers on whether or not baptism is for the remission of sins. And in the first uh, installment of this, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, I posed some questions that were not original to me, but that I found at another source, and I coupled it with Scripture and added my own thoughts and commentaries, and I'll do the commentary, and I'll do the same in this episode. I posed some questions that must be answered before a person can conclude that baptism doesn't have anything to do with remission of sins. Many today who profess to be Christians believe that baptism only serves as a public testimony of faith. Scripture affirms over and over that baptism is for remission of sins. So again, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, dot, 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 I've got several uh, questions and scriptures that I want us to consider and continue in this study. And here is the first question for this episode. If baptism isn't for remission of sins, why were those in the churches of Galatia told that they were sons or children of God through faith for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27. If you have a Bible and you have a minute, if you're able to turn there, I encourage you to. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each point, but but, uh, I'm going to... I am going to make some comments and, and, and build a case from each passage that I mention. Why, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why... Were the people in the churches of Galatia told that they were the sons of God through faith? For, this is Galatians 3, verse 26 and 27, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on, or the word can be translated clothed, have been clothed with Christ. You notice what Paul is arguing here. He says you are because you have been. You are because you have been. So if baptism is not for remission of sins, that is to receive the forgiveness of sins, to be remitted of sins, then why were the people in the churches of Galatia told that they were the sons of God through faith? They are because they have been baptized into Christ. Why, pray tell? Number two, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why, when baptism and salvation are both mentioned in a Bible verse, why is baptism never put after salvation, but always before? Why? And we could start even with the baptism of John, which Mark said was for the remission of sins, Mark 1, 4. 
but even more important to us today. Beginning with the day of Pentecost, the day the church was established, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when the apostle Peter and the other apostles commanded, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of of sins. Again, if baptism is not for the remission of sins, then why is baptism not put after salvation? Why is it before? Why is it repent and let every one of you be baptized in order to obtain? Orienting yourself toward, the Greek word is ace, unto the remission of sins, as the American Standard Version renders that Greek word ace. Why? Why, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why why is baptism never put after salvation, but always before? And the classic passage for this is a passage that we will visit again in a moment. But Mark chapter 16, verse 16, when Jesus promised, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Here's another passage. Another instance, when baptism and salvation are mentioned in the same passage, but baptism is not put after salvation. It doesn't say, he that believes is saved and then gets baptized. No, baptism is always before being saved. And the same concept is true in Acts twenty-two sixteen, and throughout the book of Acts. We'll probably hit some of those later as we continue in these questions. These questions that must be asked before a person can honestly conclude that baptism doesn't have anything to do with remission of sins, but instead only serves as a public testimony of faith. Let's continue. Number three, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why is a washing or water often associated with salvation? The first reference to which I will point you is Acts 22, verse 16. And if you're not familiar, I'll help you out for time's sake. This is the record where Paul the Apostle is recounting what it was like before he became Paul, before he became a Christian, when he was Saul of Tarsus, when he was still praying, when he was still in his sins, and when the God-appointed preacher Ananias came to him and told him what he must do. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. Then in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, these specific words from Ananias, the God-appointed preacher. The God-appointed preacher mentioned the word, mentions the word baptism and wash or washing in connection with, association with, salvation. Saul of Tarsus was asked by Ananias, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If baptism is not for remission of sins, why is a washing associated here with salvation? That is, his sins being washed away, being taken away, being remitted. Another passage is Titus chapter 3. A passage, and I'm not going to spend much time on, but it's often butchered. It's often misused and mistaught. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And it's wise to take verses 1 through 5 together, but for time's sake, I'll just do 4 and 5 together. But when the kindness, and this is in contrast to how they were once disobedient, but when the kindness and, 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 the, and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Paul's there. 
where it's where this is often butchered or misused is some people often apply not works of righteousness we have done to to what we must do or not do to be saved instead what is under consideration here is when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared not because we were so good, not because any right thing we had done. This is not saying you don't have to do any right thing to be right with God. This is saying that Jesus did not come. God did not send Jesus because we were right, because we had done anything good. Instead, he sent his son according to his mercy. And that's how he saved us, verse 5. Through the washing of regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Pray tell, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why is a washing here and of regeneration, being reborn, born again, why is that associated directly here with salvation, regeneration, renewing, being forgiven? And along the same lines, John chapter 3, the classic text on being born again, which Titus sheds light on John 3. They go together. They're not two different things. John chapter 3, verse 3 and 5, these two statements that Jesus made to Nicodemus that a person cannot see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Unless they're born again. And he describes how they're to be born again in verse 5. Being born of water and the Spirit. So again, you have someone being born again, being saved to enter the kingdom to be in the kingdom, to see the kingdom, is to experience the, the blessings of the kingdom, the salvation of the king, the redemption of the king. To be in the kingdom of God is the same thing as being saved. If you'll read Matthew 19, verses 23 to 25. So if baptism is not for remission of sins, again, why is water mentioned by Jesus in association with seeing the kingdom of God. Some would have you to believe that, oh, he's talking about the amniotic fluid and the birth, the physical birth process. Folks, that is ridiculous. That is, that is a perfect example of eisegesis, something from the 16, 17, 1800s commentaries inserted into the text. No one believed that that wrote a book of the New Testament. Because if they did, they would have said it. Instead, Jesus is talking about that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit, verse 6. He's talking about a spiritual birth, not a physical birth. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11 is another reference that I'm going to mention. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Again, Jesus, through Paul, I should say, the Apostle Paul, in describing how the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, how the children of God do not need to be deceived, and he, he, he lists a number of sins. He says, these people who practice these sins cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but you don't practice these things anymore. You were these things, verse 11, but you were washed, sanctified, justified. Notice sanctification, justification directly tied to being washed. Isn't that interesting? Again, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why is washed associated with their being sanctified and justified? They're being saved. They're being redeemed. They're being forgiven. They're becoming children of God. And incidentally, we have a historic passage or 
background passage on First Corinthians 6, what it looked like for them to be washed, justified, and sanctified. Acts chapter 18, verse 8, many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. Let's move forward. Number four, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why, <coughs> excuse me, did Peter write, baptism now saves you? Now, keep in mind that 1 Peter was not written to unbelievers telling them what they needed to do to be saved. I don't think 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 it was written uh, to convince unbelievers they needed to be baptized to be saved. However, it does entail or it does necessitate the fact that a person must be baptized in order to be delivered when being persecuted as a Christian. Because if a person has not been baptized, number one, they are not in Christ. They have not put on the name of Christ. They are not a Christian, and they can't be delivered through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you look carefully at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 23, or 22, I'm sorry, Peter is describing how Christians are being treated harmfully, how Christians shouldn't be afraid of the threats of outsiders, but instead set aparting, uh, setting apart the Lord God as holy in their hearts and always being ready to give an answer to anyone who asks them a reason for the hope that's in them and that their conscience, they can have a good conscience because they know that though they are being defamed as an evildoer, the, those that are reviling their good conduct are actually going to be ashamed because they're suffering for the will of God. And to suffer for doing good is much better than suffering for doing evil. Jesus suffered for good, and he suffered once for sins. And Jesus, through the Spirit, through Noah, preached to people who in Peter's time were in prison spiritually. But God, in the days of Noah, was waiting on these people to repent because Peter was preaching and teaching. Noah, though, was the one who participated or who enjoyed the blessings of salvation. He was saved, he and his family, through water. And there is a like figure. There is an antitype. In our time of being persecuted and mistreated, when we're preaching and teaching and serving God, we can remember that because we've been baptized into Christ we too will be resurrected. As Christ was resurrected and he's gone into heaven, he's at the right hand of God, angels and, and authorities and powers are subject to him. Just like Christ suffered once for the flesh, we're to arm ourselves with the same mind, etc. Then we too can be individuals as Christians in Christ who know that when we're being persecuted, if our head's on the chopping block, we're going to be resurrected. So that, again, that inadvertently means that I have to have been baptized into Christ, into that location, so that I can know I'll be raised with Christ at the end at the resurrection. I'll be redeemed from that persecution and from that martyr's death. So again, why would Peter say, if baptism is not for remission of sins, if it is merely, if it, if it's merely a public testimony of faith, why, why, why would Peter say it also now saves you? It also now delivers you. Why? 
He wouldn't. Number five, let's continue forward. If baptism is not for remission of sins, why do almost all conversions recorded in the book of Acts mention baptism, while many of them do not record or mention repentance or confession? There are charts available online. I have at least one or more in my on my devices that chart like like an Excel chart, a bo- boxed chart that re- that has the passage and the and the individual listed, you know, the Pentecostians, the people in Acts 3, Acts uh, 8, you know, Acts 9 with Saul of Tarsus, Acts 10 and 11 with Cornelius and on and on the list goes. And it has the commands of the gospel listed, like hearing the word so that we can believe and repent and confess our faith in Jesus and the command to be baptized, etc. And in every one of these accounts, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 8 with the eunuch, Acts 8 with the Samaritans, Acts 9 with Saul of Tarsus, um, Acts 10 with Cornelius, Acts 13 with Lydia and her household, uh, Acts 16, the jailer, um, Acts 9, the Corinthians, Acts 10, the Ephesians, all of these. In every case, it mentions they heard the word. And in nearly all of them, it mentions they believed. Nearly all, only two that I see on my chart that does not explicitly say they believed, but we know they did because it's implied in the text. Well, there are one, two, three, four, five, six occasions, six of these examples or these records that don't explicitly mention they repent. But we believe they repented because the gospel clearly commands that a person must repent, Acts 17, 30, 2 Peter 3, 9, etc., etc. All of them mention that they were baptized, at least nearly all of them. All of them that mention a person's name, that this individual went here and taught this individual name, you know, name... Uh, whatever Saul or whether it be uh, the people in Samaria or the Ethiopian eunuch, every time it's an individual, it always culminates in baptism. Occasionally, you will see the word faith or belief used as a synecdoche to to explain that they did a part and that, excuse me, that they obeyed the whole doctrine of Christ, which included being baptized into Christ. But the word belief or faith or added to was used as a synecdoche of a part for the whole and that, and that's kind of a five dollar sounding word but you can you can do your own homework on it and study you know the word synecdoche and how the word how the figures are used or how words are used in scripture the point is this if baptism is not for remission of sins why do almost all the conversions in Acts mention baptism while many of them do not mention repentance, while some of them do not explicitly mention belief? Well, it's because God was showing the pattern and he was showing the emphasis of Jesus' command about baptism. Number six, let's continue forward. If baptism is not for remission of sins, why does the Bible say that we are saved not by faith alone. James 2:24. James is no doubt writing to Christians. Some who oppose baptism try to make a big deal that James is writing to Christians and and so that means he's not even hinting at anything like baptism. Uh, okay. So 
James does describe how Abraham was justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar and that his faith was working together with his works and by works his faith was perfected. He was made perfect. And when he did that, the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. So James writes, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Folks, what's under consideration here in this latter part of James is not merely what we do that others see, but also what a person does by faith because God commands them that is necessary to perfect their faith to fulfill God's will, to be justified. That, that's the words of verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Somebody says, yeah, well, Romans 4 says Abraham, he wasn't justified by works. Folks, it's a different context. In Romans 4, he's talking about the attitude. If we think we're justified based on good that we do, if we think we are earning it or that we deserved salvation, if we do our works and we obey God, if we do any work, if we obey what God commands, thinking that we have earned it, we've missed it. If we do our obedience to God as a wage, we're damned. But if we do it in faith, we're justified. That's the difference, folks. It's not that complicated. Romans 4 and James 2. James clearly says, was not Abraham our father justified? You can't say that the context here is not about justification. It's about the works you do before others. Abraham didn't justify himself before anybody. There was no one with him on the mountain. Somebody says, well, Isaac was with him. Yeah, but had he done what God told him to do completely, Isaac would have been dead. So no one would have saw him do it. This is not limited to what other people see us do. The context here is about how faith without works is dead and how we're saved by a faith that obeys, not justified by faith alone, James 2, 24. So again, if baptism is not for remission of sins, then why does Scripture say that we're saved not by faith alone? Why? Number seven if baptism is not for remission of sins, why did Jesus say, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved? Now, that's actually a quotation of the New American Standard Bible, Mark 16, 16. Why? Pray tell. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If baptism is not for remission of sins, why did Jesus say that baptism is necessary to be saved. Why did he promise salvation to those that believe and are baptized? Notice he didn't promise salvation to those that believe only. I hear people say, well, he didn't say he that believes not and is baptized not will, be, will not be saved. Folks, that is the stupidest, that is the most ridiculous. If you don't believe, you're not going to be baptized because your unbelief prevents you from doing what is necessary to be saved. Read John chapter 3, verse 18. He who has not believed, he who has not continued to believe in the name of the Son of God, 
is condemned already. Well, why? Because he hadn't believed in the only begotten, he hadn't continued to believe in the only begotten, the name of the only begotten Son of God. What does that mean? It means he hasn't done what is necessary because he hadn't continued to believe. He's not acted in faith. Why did Jesus say, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why did he talk about salvation being promised to those that believe and are baptized? Why, why, why? Folks, because God made it part of the plan. It's part of the gospel wherein a person is added to Christ. And let's look at that one more time before we close out this episode. Back to Galatians 3 where we started, verse 27. Galatians 3 Verse 27, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why are we baptized into Christ? Notice Galatians 3, 26 and 27, you're all the sons of God, children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, so you don't faith into Christ, you're baptized into Christ and you're baptized because you have faith. That goes right with Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. If baptism is not for remission of sins, if, if baptism is merely a public testimony of faith, if that's all it is, it's not for remission of sins, why did Paul write we are baptized into Christ? Because being in Christ means a person is saved. Being in Christ is where all spiritual blessings are found, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So if baptism is not for remission of sins, why did Paul, the apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, say we're baptized into Christ? Because when a person is in Christ, they have remission of sins. They have the forgiveness of sins. They're saved. They're delivered. They're justified. They're cleansed. They're sanctified. They're holy. Why? 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 Because baptism is for remission of sins. The evidence is not easily dismissed. Baptism is linked to salvation, forgiveness, Newness of life, new birth, washing away sins, becoming a Christian, being clothed with Christ, being sons of God, being saved, being sanctified, regenerated, etc., etc. And when we read Scripture, baptism is never deliberately postponed. But that's what I see in the religious world. I don't see that in Scripture. In Scripture, people were baptized in isolated circumstances and at unusual times. Scripture never says that faith alone saves. Don't quote me a hundred verses that say faith saves. I said faith alone. Faith alone is specifically said not to save. We are not saved by faith alone. James 2.24. And if somebody says, well, that's talking about your works toward other people. That is the craziest. So, so we're not saved by faith alone. And that's not talking about baptism. That's talking about your good works that you produce as a Christian. That's talking about things that other people see. So you mean I have to, to be right with God. Other people have to see me doing what's right. I have to, okay, so now who's the one teaching work salvation? Who? Who's the one now teaching <laughs> that you can know that you can know that you're saved because you obey the commandments? 1 John 2, 3, and 4. Folks, 
Belief alone is said not to save, James 2.24, while baptism is said to save in association with Jesus' resurrection, 1 Peter 3.21. And baptism is associated with entering into Christ. Now, let's conclude like this. Baptism, being baptized, cannot nor does not earn salvation. Nothing earns salvation. Christ alone paid the price for the gift of God's grace. The complete picture of responsive faith includes teaching and preaching of the gospel, belief, repentance of sins, Confession of faith, Romans 10.10, and baptism. But most importantly, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so that, my dear listener, must be understood from Romans 6.3 and 4, Romans 6.17 and 18, 1 Corinthians 15.1-4, that when a person is baptized, they're baptized into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Naaman. In the long ago, 2 Kings 5, verse 14, he was not healed by the water itself and alone, but by the power of God. And so baptism, the ceremony, the physical going down in the water, the, the water, the act of me immersing someone in water, alone does not save and cannot save. God saves but the question is not what saves. Revelation 1.5 tells us it's the blood of Jesus. The question is when. When do we get the blood of Jesus? Now, the burden of proof for those that believe in faith only, the burden of proof is upon them to prove from the Scriptures, the authoritative Word of God, that faith alone, not faith, faith alone is when somebody gets the blood of Jesus. The burden of proof is on them. I've, I've referenced a number of passages that demonstrate the fact that a person is baptized into Christ. A person is saved when they're baptized. They receive the remission of sins. They rise to walk in newness of life. When they're born again of water and the Spirit, they have a new birth, a new life. Their sins are washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. They're clothed with Christ, Galatians three twenty seven. They're children of God, Galatians three twenty six. They're sanctified, washed, justified, regenerated, First Corinthians six eleven, and then Acts eighteen eight. The passages that I've mentioned, they all clearly, when you just leave the commentaries alone and just read the scriptures, when you don't come to the text with a denominational bias, with a preconceived personal bias, it's very clear. It's very clear when a person gets the blood of Jesus. It's when they die to sin and repentance and they're buried into the saving merits of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's in baptism, folks. Not faith alone. Not faith alone. And so if you're listening to this and you've not been baptized for the remission of sins, if you've been baptized to show you're saved, if you've been baptized as a public merely some public testimony of your faith, then you've missed it because there are no passages that teach that. Instead, you need to be like Saul of Tarsus, as he was told to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins, calling on the name 
of the Lord. And I've referenced so many passages. If you have questions about those, I'd be happy to try to answer them. The scriptures are clear. We conclude that when mentioned together, salvation always follows baptism. Baptism was immediate. Baptism was immediate. And the only exception of that received a rebuke. Biblical language about baptism is different from what is used by those who do not link it to salvation. And we learn from Scripture, we learn from Scripture what baptism is. A person is immersed in water by the authority of Jesus Christ unto the remission of sins. Acts 2, 38. Well, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, then these questions that I've asked must be answered honestly and with the context of Scripture before a person can honestly conclude that baptism doesn't have anything to do with remission of sins. Remember this, and don't forget it. God saves. The blood of Jesus is the agent. The question is not what saves. The question is when when it's not by faith only james 2 24 person not justified by faith alone well at what point does a person contact the death the saving merits of jesus death burial and resurrection when by faith they obey from the heart that form of doctrine romans chapter 6 verses 17 and 18 what's that form same chapter same context let him in in his own context let the Holy Spirit-inspired Apostle Paul explain what that form of doctrine is. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. The Christians at Rome had been baptized into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. They were raised to walk a new life, Romans 6, 4. If baptism isn't for remission of sins, God is a liar. But folks, God is not a liar. God's word is clear. If baptism isn't for the remission of sins, then God is confusing, convoluted. He's complicated. He deceives people. Folks, God is not those things. He is clear in His word. Listen to the word of God and the word of God alone. Obey from the heart the word of God and the word of God alone. If you have questions, you can find me on social media. I appreciate you listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. If you found this a blessing to your life, will you do me and my podcast channel a favor? Will you click like wherever you're watching? Will you click share and share it however you're watching it? It will help me and it will help others to see this material. It will put it in front of them. Thank you so much for listening. God bless and I'll catch you next time.